the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Live from Northern California, it's Lifeline with Jesse Gastan. He's the host of Way of Grace, a pastor and a community leader. He's a teacher and an inspiration. He's Lifeline's own Jesse Gastan. And I am excited to be with you today on this Monday edition of Lifeline. Hope you are all right. Hope you are well. And even if you're not well, and if you're not all right, perhaps today can be the day that you and I can engage in seeking the God of heaven to help us with our challenges and our problems. This is the Monday edition of Lifeline. Your host, Jesse Gistin, as you heard earlier, and so glad, again, so glad to be with you. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine is the number to reach me here on the program today. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about the issues that matter in terms of our calling, in terms of our growth, in terms of our walk, in terms of our witness, in terms of God's glory. Just you and me today on the Monday edition of Lifeline. It happens to be a couple of days after what we call Turkey Day. And I hope that you had a wonderful, wonderful Thanksgiving. I did. Um, Family was over. Um, which is a real treat, doesn't always happen, and uh, had a chance to just spend several hours with my grannies, and uh, that was just a real thrill. And, of course, uh, the food was outstanding, typical traditional food. It was all good. Uh, Don't ever overdo it personally because um, getting a little older, but, um, yeah, the Lord was extremely uh, good to, to yours truly, so I enjoyed mine. I hope you did as well. Had a chance the day after to take my uh, lovely wife and uh, kind of escape, get away for a bit, if you will, uh, and head towards Central Cal. Not so, uh, not exactly Central Cal, but headed that way. We stopped in, um, where did we stop? We stopped in um, Carmel. We were in the Carmel area, uh, Pacific View, Pacific Bay, uh, more particularly, Monterey area. If you guys know that area there, they have some very, very, very nice bed and breakfasts. And the one we were at is a was a more colonial style bed and breakfast home of about, let's say, about 10, 12 rooms. And I mean, very stately, ornate, all of the old fashioned kind of wallpaper designs with um, the nostalgic uh, whatnots all over the place that... Uh, extended from uh, the era and time of uh, California's go rush period to um, to to the present, quite frankly, 
beautiful scenario, wonderful setting, and it allowed for myself and my wife to have a couple of days of relaxation as well as reflection on, um, well, what is about to be the close of the year for all of us. And uh, we, it was a blessing. We were up on the water, I mean, right across the street from the ocean. And you know how we've been dealing with this smoky weather over the last couple of two or three weeks, um, just the fires in paradise and the low quality, poor quality, almost dangerous poor quality air here in the Bay Area. Well, uh, it rained on Thursday night, as you know, partially Friday. And by Friday evening, we were experiencing some clearing of that particular deluge of, of, uh, of, of smog and uh, smoke-filled air. So on Saturday morning, you guys, after driving up on uh, Friday, Saturday morning, woke up to a very brisk uh, cool morning, which I love because of having past allergies and asthma that uh, really uh, the ocean air just does something for someone who has uh, bronchitis or asthma or things of that nature. It just really opens up your lungs, uh, just freshens out your system. And uh, and so what the Lord gave myself and Barbara were about seven hours of Sunshine, not warmth. It wasn't your sunny beach weather per se, but every, it was lots of people walking the the uh, the streets, walking the shorelines, and uh, it wasn't overcrowded, wasn't overpacked, just enough for us to kind of stroll, just stroll for hours, looking out at the picturesque sea, uh, enjoying the uh, the seals that would come up on the shoreline. And, uh, and 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 occasionally enjoying conversation with people about us, uh, but we had a good time. I'm very rested after a powerful worship last uh, yesterday morning. Uh, we're in a series in the Book of Genesis concerning the fall. You will hear that shortly. It's revolutionary, uh, dealing with the aspects of the fall and the recovery of our first parents in a way that does not normally get attention. And so, maybe in about a month, you will hear that series. And be challenged as well uh, in terms of the normative view that has been held. But from what I could tell by our congregation, they have uh, warmly received the revelation of God's glory in the person of Christ all up in the life of Adam and Eve, uh, both on a typical typological level, symbolic level, but also largely in terms of the care and keeping of God the Father who will come after those who are his own to make sure that they recover their calling and their station and their purpose in life. And if you know him in his mercy and in his saving grace, you know God will come get you when you are in trouble. And so we are going to be dealing with the last installment uh, this coming Sunday. Looking forward to it in combination with observing the Lord's table. So that's uh, a short order list of where yours truly is with regards to God's crowning grace in my life. You know what I want to talk about today, though? I really I want to get your attention on a topic that I think is critically important. And uh, I'm looking forward to hearing from both the experts in this matter, as well as people who have overcome some of the things I want to talk about, as well as people who are struggling with this. So would you would you accept the fact and embrace the fact and join me in this fact that I'm going to be dealing with a couple of problems that occurs in our world and is a real social, let's say, elephant in the room, particularly of the the evangelical churches, certainly that way in the world. And Americans are becoming very much uh, and well known for this particular malady, this particular 
uh, growing dysfunctionality, this very common national pastime activity that ends up destroying people's lives. So let me see how I can frame it for a few minutes before I get into a couple of articles before me. And I really am looking forward to seeing what the Lord will do with this program today. Well, in light of the upcoming holiday that we're about about to enjoy Christmas, uh, not the celebration of the day, December 25th is not the day that Christ was born. Many of you guys know that, but new people listening might think somehow we are naive about that. We are far from naive about that. We do not celebrate the day. We celebrate the person and we celebrate the event because of the magnitude of the implications of what we call the hypostatic union or the hypostases of God and man. That is the incarnation of the second person of the glorious triune Godhead, which is uh, central to true Christianity a proper comprehension of the condescending nature of God in the assumption of our nature and our humanity in order to redeem us from an irretrievable fall that only could be done by a love that is indescribable but also incomprehensible as well as effectually uh, redemptive in all of its aims and objectives. Christmas is a time wherein we should be Um, several things I want to kind of lay out for you. When we come around Thanksgiving, come around Christmas, come around Resurrection Sunday, some people call it Easter. It's a pagan term, Easter. But uh, when we come around uh, celebrating holidays or celebrating special days as birthdays and things like that, uh, particularly when it comes to Christmas, if you can overcome the the superficiality of it, overcome the materialistic nature of it, overcome some of the uh, uh, what we would call secular components to it. Just overcome it in terms of your heart and make sure if you can strive towards it being a time for thankfulness on your part, that the day you wake up on, on Christmas morning, this year it'll be December twenty. Second, I think something like a Wednesday or Thursday. Um, Wake up with a thankful heart. Wake up with a joyful heart. Wake up with a grateful heart. Wake up with a helpful heart. Wake up with a communicating heart, a heart of communion, a heart desiring to be in the social context of other people talking and enjoying each other's company and uh, the common basis for which we have gathered, and that is to worship the newborn king. And then um, that day should be a day of, uh, of spiritual significance. So it's a time to be thankful, a time to be joyful, a time to be grateful, a time to be helpful, not selfish, a time to be communal. Not isolated, not separated. It's a time to be spiritually focused, which do you know happens very little in the context of Christmas. Can you remember a time in your observance of Christmas where really the dialogue is centered around um, a reflection of the incarnation the birth of the Son of God, the implications of him coming, the prophetic texts of the Old Testament leading up to his coming, the implications of him having come. Have you have you ever had an occasion where your Christmas is really, really let me put it this way. Have you ever had a Christmas where Christmas was about Christ and not some of the superfluous things that go on in our world? This is kind of what I want to get out today here. I want to get at helping some of us, helping families, helping individuals, helping couples 
avoid the calamity of a superficial Christmas, not because of the gifts and the toys and all of the paraphernalia of that, that sort. But I want you to hear me now. Draw near. Come near. Come here. Come here. I want to talk about a big elephant in the room of the Christian church and the believer's life. And it really falls into two categories, although I'm going to be actually launching into it from one fundamental category that that I come to discover also uh, accompanies these particular problems. If you and I are going to have a really good Christmas this year, uh, we're going to have to make sure that we have control over and a very clear biblical handle on two addictions that are big elephants in the church. The addiction that I'm talking about is alcoholism and pornography. Alcoholism and pornography. Two addictions that thrive and live in the darkness of isolation, largely, secrecy and privacy, or particularly with alcoholism and alcohol, because it's not addressed as as radically as it ought to be addressed in terms of uh, what the Bible would call temperance balance, um, priority of one's uh, character in life relative to uh, not being in bondage to anything. As Paul says, all things are lawful to me. Not everything is expedient. One of the things I have come to discover, y'all, is this. That alcoholism is a big elephant in the church. A lot more people are alcoholics in the church than we really want to admit. The statistics show this. And the second one is a lot more people are engaging in and controlled by and impacted by pornography than we really want to admit. Now, here is the problem with the two. Here's the problem with the two, with both alcoholism and pornography. They make you dysfunctional on a social level. So think about it with me for a moment. Come near. I want you to hear before I go to the break and I'll come back and begin to unpack this more fully. I'm going to lay out an argument and I want to I want to see if you and I can do some work today. See, the goal today, listen to me now, is confession, confession of weaknesses, confession of problems, confession of these two particular uh, taboos, these two particular sinful patterns, a confession of it and a strategic approach to changing that. Why? Because I want you to enjoy Christmas this year without being overly burdened with the lack of preparing to overcome these particular elephants in the room that often make Christmas an embarrassment, um, Uh, another day of massive fatigue on your part because either you are a slave of alcohol or porn or you have a loved one who is. And therefore, every holiday season, whereas you and I would love to just have a good time with the family, alcohol gets in the way. Porn gets in the way. Let Let me see if I can explain before I go to the break. Alcohol destroys your social character qualitatively. It makes you unable to deeply engage with people on the level of virtuous talk. That is spiritual talk. So much of the talk that goes on uh, when you 
are given to or one is given to uh, the massive pain management process of addiction. So much of the talk that professing Christians engage in on holidays is largely weak, shallow, unspiritual and vain. Would you agree with that? Uh, And vanity often wins the day at holiday times. Christ is not really um, the willing, enthusiastic, and coveted topic of Christmas. And I know that sounds so weird. We're celebrating the birth of the Son of God, but largely we never talk about him. Now, I want you to think about that in terms of uh, what I am bringing to the table, a problem with alcoholism, a problem with pornography. And here is the premise upon which these two have jumped out at me to want to talk about and deal with today. And I want to hear from you. one 367 5329 Not just banter. I'm talking about people who have either struggled with this, are struggling with this, or have overcome it. That's who I want to talk with today. I want us to talk about strategies for dealing with it, opening up and confessing it, praying about it, and the need to to make sure that we help avoid this particular calamity this year because my husband or my wife or my son or my, you know, whomever it may be, significant other, is actually creeping towards or if not dominated by alcoholism or pornography. See, Pornography is the same way. Here's what it does. It isolates and it shuts out real, authentic, vital fellowship. It drains the spirit, as Proverbs 5 says, turns a man into a piece of bread, a woman into a piece of bread. It destroys faith and it limits any real growth spiritually. So can you imagine with me before I go to the break that we know this elephant is in the room. It's in the home. It's definitely in the church. It's in the life. And every holiday season seems to be an occasion to which either we go into excess with this particular behavior pattern, which you, how are you going to really enjoy Christ drunk? Are you going to really enjoy him overly intoxicated? How are you going to have a long, lengthy, edifying conversation with a group of people, four, five, six, seven, or 10, about this, this massive, beautiful, infinite, as Paul puts it, unspeakable gift full of glory, the son of the living God, assuming our nature? When you are actually trapped by another demagogue, a smaller God called alcoholism and pornography. I'm going to take a break. The number is one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. Again, my aim today is confession and strategic change. Strategic change. Proverbs twenty eight thirteen says it like this: Whosoever covereth his sin shall not prosper, but he that confesses and forsakes them shall have mercy. I really want to engage you today to start for the next three or four weeks while we have Mondays to, to if the Lord would help you and me and us right now uh, overcome this problem, we can have a great Christmas. one 367 The pastor's in the house. The teacher's in the house. The brother's in the house. The father's in the house. Grandfather. Uh, and, and when I want to talk about it with you, I've got two lines open. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. Let's deal with the elephant. I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. I am back. The time five twenty six on the Monday edition of Lifeline. I am talking about two elephants in the room of Americans who often don't address these issues, particularly in the context of the church and. Uh, Because the holiday seasons are really an opportunity for us to put our best foot forward, as is the case for Sunday and should be the case every day. 
what I really want to do is help you adorn the gospel of the grace of God this year. Um, I would want that for my own family. I often, uh, in self-assessment and analysis of how I try to behave and conduct myself with my own family every year, uh, while uh, while utterly enjoying and, 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 and actually reveling in uh, my family being around, um, I really do think about the spiritual component, the spiritual pulse, and the... Uh, often the lack the the lack of a central conversation around uh, the birth of Christ, how important it would be for us to be able to have those vital uh, drives and uh, compulsions to want to sit around and just talk about it. And yet so much of our holidays are, are completely overwhelmed by carnality. And what I'm talking about right now is the issue of pornography, and the issue of alcoholism that so dominates our culture and our country, the world, but certainly America. Did you know that over 38 million Americans are alcoholics? Over 38 million. I just want to kind of give you some perspective on that. That means it's really over about 50 to 60 million that are alcoholics. Only a portion of them will acknowledge it. Now, when you go 100, when you go uh, 50 million alcoholics in America and you have only 350 million Americans in uh, in, in America, uh, people in America, that means one out of five persons, you know, is an alcoholic and alcohol is a problem in their life. This would be the case also with porn. Now, the demographics change a little bit, but the numbers are still alarming. Now, what I'm dealing with today on it is how we might begin to work through helping a brother or a sister who is struggling with this particular bondage, this what we would call cultural bondage that's largely accepted. Yes, porn is almost just as equally accepted in our culture as is alcohol, and alcohol is fundamentally accepted everywhere. Now, here is what spawned my thought around this, and I'm glad I got two calls. I'm going to be waiting for a couple more calls before we get into the conversation. Here's what spawned my um, my thoughts about this, because I want to get into it. I really do. I want to see if my audience is aware of how important it is to make sure you prepare to have the best holiday you possibly can, particularly around the incarnation. Stay with me now. Uh, And even if it weren't the holiday that's coming up, although I am uh, anticipating it and using it as a launching pad, uh, we would want to address this subject, period, wouldn't we? Can I get a witness? Can I get an amen? Okay, so why do I have two lines still open? one 367 And remember, I want calls on this topic, not general calls. I'm not going to take general calls. I want to actually do some ministry today around this particular important topic. Now, here's the. this is going to be fascinating when you hear this. Here's the premise topic that really launched me into the topic of porn and the topic of alcohol relative to believers and professing Christians and how we can end up letting social norms and cultural taboos actually um, dishonor the Lord in our life. This has to do with spiritually immature men. Stay with me, men and women. The article is by a an individual whose name is Deepak Rehu, who um, is writing, happens to be a pastor. He's writing about uh, the not so uncommon reality that men are frequently immature on a spiritual level in the context of husband and wife. 
that it's not too infrequent that you'll run across a couple that comes to church or is part of the church where the husband just is immature about a Christ and therefore does not leave the home and does not take the, the role in, in, in positively asserting a, a pathway of biblical expression and adorning the gospel in the family and is virtually passive. Am I getting your attention now? And, and I thought about it. When I actually deal with the men in the church who have a tendency to be passive, nonchalant, careless, and at best, you know, it's kind of like playing with 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 uh, with fish. Uh, it was um, it was uh, I'm trying to remember her name, Dr. Laura Schlesinger, who gave the analogy one time that human beings are like like fish in the water that um, you got four or five fish in the tank, six or seven or eight. Inevitably, there's one of the fish that you you, you see has a problem. They they're not swimming with vigor. They're not rising to the the top of the uh, uh, um, tank to to actually receive oxygen. They're just kind of listless. And, and and no matter how much you try to stimulate them by moving the water and lifting them up, they continue to sink down to the bottom until eventually they die. That picture was so vivid to me years ago when it comes to some persons, and particularly in this context, I'm talking about men that are so weak and defeat and unenthusiastic about Christ that it bothers me. I'm going to read this article. I'm going to take another break. I've got two lines open, one 888 and I'm going to tell you why I think that one of the problems with uh, spiritually immature men, men who don't lead their families, men who don't have a, a, a fervor and passion for spiritual priorities is that they are slaves to particular sins, pornography, and or alcoholism. Listen to the opening article here. You're married, and your husband isn't a spiritual leader. He doesn't initiate prayer or devotions. He doesn't take the lead in bringing the family to church. He doesn't readily show concern for your spiritual well-being or the children's. He doesn't care about faith, and he shows no inclination to do so. Now, as a pastor, I've counseled many wives in this difficult situation. Now, this could go the other way as well. These Christian women are struggling, and maybe you are thinking, that's exactly my situation now. I've also counseled single women who told me, that's never going to happen to me. No matter who you are, there is hope in Christ. First thing this guy says about being married to an immature man spiritually concerning single women. Now, I want to put this out to you. He says, don't settle. He says, how do you get trapped in this kind of marriage where your husband just has no vitality for Christ? Now, let me just say say this at large as as a pastor. I see this more frequently with the wives of husbands of men who marry for the wrong reason. So we're not going to make this predominantly the male thing, but because men should be leading in the home, let's keep this going. Picture this. Peter and Sarah meet at work. He's hardworking, funny, well-respected in the office and handsome. A few months ago, he took notice of Sarah. They started talking, casual chit-chat, turned into long conversations, lunches, you know how it goes, emailing, texting. His fondness for her was clear. 
And he was direct, not vague like the other guy she dated. Here's the kicker. She's a Christian. He's not. Sarah grew up in a solid Christian family, a gospel preaching church, and was converted in high school. The fruit of the Spirit was evident for her. And in her, Peter never went to church and was an agnostic at best. And anytime she brought up the subject of religion, he battled it down, batted it down. That's good for you, but I'm not interested. Ladies, do you know that scenario? The longer they were together, the more emotionally attached she became and the harder it was to let go. When her parents and closest friends expressed concern, she defended him. Though her conscience often asked, is this right? Should I be doing this? It was easier to ignore her conscience and the critics than to give Peter up. Y'all see the point? Again, you might hear this story and think that won't ever be me, but be careful. There are dozens of reasons why smart women settle. Let's look briefly at four. And then the author gives four. I'm going to give the four reasons why women settle for carnal men, for spiritually immature men. And then I'm going to take a break and I'm going to come back. And I'm going to keep talking until all the phone lines are full. Spiritually immature men will have alternative idols that they serve. And it's not too infrequent that they aren't porn and that they aren't alcohol. The first one is that when women get trapped in these kind of situations where they settle, it's because love is blind. Would you agree with that? It's blind because the relationship is fun. The guy is courteous and kind. He pays attention like no one else will. A woman gets emotionally attached and lets her priorities slide. Secondly, is what they call the idolatry of marriage. A good and godly desire to be married takes on a weight and importance that the institution of marriage doesn't ever deserve. It becomes an idol. It goes like this. I won't be satisfied until I find a spouse. Or if God loves me, he'll give me a husband. That is an absolute danger. So the idolatry of marriage will set a woman up to fail, to settle. Thirdly, fear. Worry can contribute to making a bad choice. I'm afraid I'll be alone for the rest of my life. I'm afraid I won't ever have children. Some women live under the tyranny of anxiety, fear of others, fear of failure, fear of discomfort or difficulty, fear of not getting what you want. It's all there. Because the fears of this world own your heart, they also own your life. I'm going to quote that again. Because the fears of this world own your heart, they also own your life. Fourthly, one of the reasons why women settle is they're looking for the wrong things. Rather than looking for godliness in a man, they are allured by the physical and sexual attraction that becomes the most important thing. Now, slow down and consider, do any of these describe you? Even just a little bit? If so, you need to deal with the poor motivations that will drive you towards a bad situation. Poor motivation leads to bad situation. Much much more, um, if you're not seeking Christ, not connected to a gospel preaching church, not honest about your heart's desire, or not willing to submit to Christ in all things, it will be easy, maybe even likely, for you to make a bad choice about a spouse. Acknowledging your weakness will enable you to ask for the Spirit's help and seek godly counsel in your relationship. So let me tie the knot and go to a break. When I think about what we're dealing with right now in terms of the very clear problematic uh, behavior on the part of Americans, particularly Christians in the context in which you and I are speaking in the church, 
the big elephant in the church is that alcoholism is pervasive among professing Christians. It's a bondage that keeps them in trouble and it makes them antisocial. If not antisocial, that makes them dysfunctional on the level of spiritual things. And therefore, their shallowness does not allow for them to dig deep into a, a more reflective, uh, theologically for refre- reflective pattern of conversation with the people of God for true edification. And so the gathering together of the people of God, the gathering together of spiritual people is not something that a carnal Christian, a shallow Christian who is engaging in alcohol or porn wants to do because you never know when the lights are going to get cut on. That's the challenge here. And I want to talk to people who are willing to talk about, Pastor, we got a problem here because either I myself am struggling with pornography or alcoholism, or a combination of both, or my spouse is, or my significant other, or my son is, or my daughter is, or my parents are, in every holiday season, something gets in the way of us being able to have an actually edifying time as a family. That's what I want us to deal with. And I want to talk to people who have either been there, done that, struggle with it, who have uh, are, are either in the middle of it and troubled by it and want to call and affirm me on this problem, or callers who have recommended strategies for overcoming them, because I have strategies as well that I want to talk about. Is this an important topic to you, ladies and gentlemen? I think it is. I've got one line open, one 888 one We're going to talk about these things as we prepare for a good time, the Lord willing, coming up in almost one month to the day. This is Monday edition of Lifeline. Your host, Jesse Gistan. We're going to clean some bills up. We're going to come back and dive a little bit deeper and try to adorn the gospel of the grace of God by walking in the freedom wherewith Christ has set us free so that we can glorify him together. I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. We are back the time 546 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. I've got one line open, one triple eight. Three six seven five three two nine. One line open. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. And what we're trying to do is address a problem that is growing, and it will become even more insurmountable with your children. If your children are in the ages of uh, eight to twelve years old, and they're about to move into that much more socially conscious dimension of a uh, uh, freedom with, with with powers while their hormones are raging. I'm going to tell you now that it's almost unavoidable that they're going to be hitting the world of porn if they haven't already. And that they're going to be hitting the world of drugs and alcohol and that and if they haven't already, that is going to be a major hurdle for them to overcome in order to actually be very healthy and very functional in a very challenging world. It really would behoove parents to get a handle on this now. Among yourself, if there's one reason why you and I would want to be able to get a perfect handle, a biblical handle, a a a a, a redemptive handle on pornography, a redemptive handle on alcoholism, is for the downline. By the time our precious three-year-olds and ten-year-olds become an adult, they will be swimming in a permissive world of open porn and open uh, debauchery that will have no limits to it. And they need models, um, both models in terms of the principle of moderation, the principle of righteousness, and models of how to overcome it. So I've got one line open, one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. Let's talk a little bit about it. I'm going to line number one and talk with Deanna in San Francisco. Deanna, are you there? Hey, Deanna. Hi. <laughs> how are you? I'm great. How are you? 
Hey, Pastor Jesse. Yes. Yeah, hi. Um, so I'm driving home and I'm listening to your show. I'm enjoying it. It's very fascinating, interesting. Mm-hmm. And um, I could be throwing myself to the wolves here, but I'm actually a porn director and photographer. Okay. So it's interesting to hear your perspective about what I do and consider art, you know, could also be very detrimental to people. And I'm wondering, you know, I had 12 years Catholic school, raised Catholic, Catholic family, and mm-hmm. somehow... Um, long story, I don't know if you want to get into it, through some deaths in my family, I actually found a, another family in the, the world of porn and producing it. Right. I'm Hello? Did we lose you? Adult entertainment. Okay. Um, did I lose you? Because there were a few words you stated uh, before that that it seemed like you dropped off. And so you're driving, right? You didn't go through a tunnel or anything. Made it through the okay, so tell me what you stated. Tell me what you stated before you said that you uh, got into adult adult um, uh, entertainment along those lines. How how how? Uh, let's see. Well, um, I went to Catholic school for twelve years. Got My that. dad was very religious, and um, about ten years ago, I just had a lot of trauma in my family. My dad just died unexpectedly. He was sick. He was. 60 a year later my little sister died in a car accident which mm-hmm. is actually caused by alcohol and drinking and driving and it just threw my world into a tailspin and i was invited to go on a porn shoot at a cattle ranch for three weeks and i was an up-and-coming videographer and i went on the shoot and ended up meeting some of those most fascinating and loving people mm-hmm. you know they come from all walks of life and some people have bad upbringings and some people don't get along with their family and we're all just kind of there making art and it's weird now 10 years later and and I have found family within this community but you know I do live a Christian life as well so I'm wondering how to marry the two and if there is any wiggle room for you know Christian friendly adult entertainment right I love the question now let me ask you I, I want to ask you the question because it's not it's not far fetched for me where yeah. you are, but I would yeah. ask you the question first and foremost: Do you struggle at present with the um, conflicting nature of your profession as a Christian and the the reality that pornography has massive massive downside sociologically as well as uh, in a number of other areas? It's interesting because I think a lot of it is. Is two different lives. I really love listening to Christian radio, but mm-hmm, most mm-hmm. of my coworkers don't know. Right. But I listen to, to Christian radio, and um, uh, I guess it's, it's hard for me to see how it would negatively affect, because I do live in San Francisco, and it's very progressive. So sure. a lot of people who are married, they may watch porn together. Right. So my perspective of it isn't you know, a man who's isolated in his house and he never leaves the house. I, I don't see that part of it, I right, guess. What right. I see is the more progressive, how it how it could help couples. Right. Well, I, or educate on safer sex. Right. Well, well, I could actually categorize um, every aspect of that and compartmentalize it if I wanted to, to kind of just work through the components that may have a uh, may have a beneficial uh, you know significance to couples. Let's say, for instance, in the context of married couples. Now, uh, as a Christian, you would have absolutely no wiggle room for fornication or any kind of sexual activity outside of marriage. So, in that fundamental sense, you are not acting Christian. 
Uh, but yeah. if but if you were acting Christian and wanted to help couples to have um, a much more vital and much more um, healthy uh, sex life, you would find ways to show them how um, maybe some of the skill sets that that people who engage in the porn, uh, pornographic world uh, might be able to help them on a, a personal, mechanical, maybe emotional, practical level, because there's tons of uh, lessons that can be learned along those lines. I'm sure you know what I mean. Uh, mm-hmm. And where people are not, where men and women are not exposed to that diversity of education, or that plethora of education, uh, you know, the the world of intimacy and ro- uh, romance and sexuality can be very mundane and very limited, and they might want to grow in that area. So there can be a narrow and beneficial place for them being educated on a larger, more practical way on how to express uh, a, a fuller and broader uh, um, sexual relationship. That component I could find a way to implement on a a practical and clinical level for couples that are struggling there. What I couldn't do is advocate. I couldn't advocate uh, at all, uh, Deanna, that one could sit up and watch other couples or other individuals engaging in in, uh, sexual activity. And that be something that, um, would be acceptable uh, for a Christian, uh, uh, whether in marriage or not, just for them to have their pleasures transfer through the pleasures yeah. of other people at that level is going to be a challenge. That's going to be a problem because it, it will it will do two things for for many people. You said you're not very much aware of the world of uh, addiction with porn. I know you know about it because it's impossible not to know that people exactly. can be yeah they can be addicted to it and are and that addiction is very debilitating and problematic. It can make a couple who are married um, uh, very unstable in terms of the mental and emotional and psychological drive for expectations on the part of the one of which the other couple cannot. Meet. Uh, and particularly yeah. when you aid and abet that with uh, maybe people who are in the industry whose bodies and and uh, and gifts um, yeah. would exceed that. That I was just about to say that with the body image, and it and it's funny working in the industry and seeing the extremes of how much these people work out and watch yep. their diet. And, yep. You know, it's it's very temporary these bodies that you see in porn. Right. So you the general public doesn't know that. <laughs> like. Okay, if you quit your job and worked out 10 hours a day, you could have that body, but that's just not attainable. Right, right, right. For some people, that's not. But I could also state that on the the reverse, I could also state that some of the disciplines that they engage in with the very purpose of becoming healthy enough to uh, love their spouse and enjoy their spouse in the context of covenant can work. In other words, I can be motivated to stay in shape. I can be motivated to have a high uh, testosterone level. I can be motivated to be energetic in order to be there for the purpose of pleasing my wife, which is a biblical model and vice versa. I would want my wife to be able to be there to please me. But you definitely hit the nail on the head on this one, uh, Deanna, and that is the vast majority of the topic around sexual intimacy is temporary in terms of uh, reaching heights and then that gradual, just, you know, chronological diminishing. It's going to occur so that our marriage cannot be centered in that, right? Yeah. Now, let me ask you another... 
Let me out, let me ask you another question. Uh, is 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 the Monday edition of Lifeline or a Lifeline like this program something that you listen to frequently? I listen to more Immaculate Heart Radio. Yeah, no, I know, I know what it is. I know totally what that is. So, did you just catch me today by fluke? Yeah, I left work a little bit early, and I thought, well, I'll just sit in traffic, and you have a great voice. And <laughs> Thank you. So, Thank and you. it was just ironic. You were talking about porn, and I just left my porn job. So I'm like, why not call in and you know, just give my perspective? Right. Now, a, so so one more thing, and I actually appreciate you doing that, only, only because a lot of people have a difficulty, a phobia of even talking publicly to talk to people on the radio. I'm glad you yeah. have been able to overcome that. But can you... <laughs> Can you, Deanna, see that this vocation that you're in does not really uh, produce for you a productive biblical worldview or uh, neither does it actually enrich your capacity to comprehend the uh, more theological and more uh, uh, sort of biblical uh, data surrounding your profession as a believer, as a Christian? Can you see the impedance, the hindrance around going deeper into your walk with Christ as a consequence of your present occupation? Can you see that? I, I could see that they're two totally different worlds, and yeah. it's it's hard to combine them. And honestly, I mean, after my dad died, about a year later, I I tried. You know, he would always make us go to mass, right. whether I liked it or not. But right. you know, I secretly liked it. Um, but I tried to go to mass um, in San Francisco, and I I walked up with a friend of mine who was very dressed up, and there was this issue going on at the church and there was a bouncer outside and he would not let us in. Right. He wouldn't let my friend in because he was very dressed up and then he wouldn't let me in to even go in and light a candle. Right. And it hurt me so bad. And this was over 10 years ago. And since then I, I have not been able to step into a church because I just felt it was on Christmas and felt very shut down. So I feel lately yeah. that I want this to be Resolve. A solution. Resolve. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know <laughs> what? Go back to that church and talk to the new pastor or something so I could blend the world and, and who knows what the future holds. Well, um, no, I, I appreciate your trajectory. Yeah. And this is what I would say. I would say that um, I will be praying for you as well as um, the many uh, listeners that are um, listening right now who know that the walk of uh, the believer is um, is a spectrum and it, it's a journey, and therefore um, we're you're moving in a direction in your heart that in a way that I think is good. I I, I hope that at some point you will discover the sufficiency of God's grace in the person and work of Jesus Christ that will actually help you resolve this conflict that cannot be resolved any other way than by you leaving one and holding fully to the other like the mm-hmm. covenant like the covenant of marriage are you married no okay so uh, i'm gonna sh- i'm gonna share with you the parallels and then i'm gonna let you go real okay. re- re- and and i you know i hope to hear from you again in the future because i love talking with everybody about a lot of things about life particularly struggle um because yeah. that's what you know that's what faith is about it's about struggle too but just like at some point you end up finding someone with whom you want to be married 
mm-hmm. you start to recognize that you have to shut down a whole lot of different uh, applications, a whole lot of different compartments in a life in your life, a whole lot of different options in order to be faithful to that person. You have to intentionally, volitionally, cognitively, decisively shut down options that were otherwise available to you because in order to have this person on a covenant level, you have to let those things go. And it's exactly the same way with your walk with Christ. Mm-hmm. If you're going to go deeper into Jesus and discover the grace that liberates and the grace that frees and the great grace that grows you and matures you in him so that you know the peace that real believers and real Christians know, um, you're going to find that as you walk towards him, you're going to have to let things go. And I'm praying that that continues to happen for you so that you know the reality of Christianity and not merely the externalities and formalities that come with church, because so often those externalities and formalities that come with church are um, hindrances to our pursuing and, and obtaining. And and I know that I'm a pastor, and so I, I struggle with the tension of formalities and externalities hindering people who are coming, like yourself, uh, by not yeah. being kind or not being thoughtful on a day when all the doors should have been open, particularly Christmas, for anybody to come in. It doesn't matter what how they dress. That's ridiculous. Yeah. You, you know what exactly. I'm saying. Anyhow, listen. Yeah. Sometimes I think in my mind, maybe I'll just overcome porn and become a pastor, too. And look at us. Think of me side by side. See, and you would have a story to tell, girl. You would have a story to tell. Oh, you know. Listen, um, I hope that Providence allows you to listen to me again on, on this Monday edition of Lifeline. KFAX 1100 is a station you bumped into, but not by accident. Not by accident. Um, I'm going to say God bless you, and I'll talk to you later. All right, bye-bye. I got to take a break. I've got two lines open, one 888 1-888-367-5329. Remember, the point is the trap of porn and alcohol hindering your family, your relationship, your walk with God, the holidays that are coming up. I want to hear from people. I don't want to hear from people that just want to talk about it. We want to be confessional and strategic for the change. That's what I want to hear from. I want to hear from people who are in that mess, in that struggle. Deanna was brave enough to call about being in that struggle. That's who I want to talk to because there are lots of you guys out there listening to me knowing that you are trapped by porn, knowing that you are trapped by alcohol, and you are a professing believer. You are shocked that Deanna would call saying that she's trying to be a believer, but she she produces porn. Okay, you can, you can be shocked all you want to, but she is halfway home because she's being honest about it. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. I've got three lines open. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. I'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.